a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. And I'm uh, delighted to introduce the guest co-host of this edition of Table Talk Radio, Dr. Carl Frickenscher, Associate Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome. Thank you very much, Evan. It's a delight to be with you. Earlier, uh, I guess at the end of last week, Pastor Wolfmiller told me, he gave me a phone call on the road to Texas for vacation. He said, by the way... I'm going on vacation. <laughs> so, Dr. Frickenscher is happy to fill in. We're, we're excited to have you. Thank you very much. Uh, for this edition of Table Talk Radio, after we do uh, some theological buzzwords, we're going to play Name That Walther Theses. This is a game we've only played one other time, but it's a, a game which we get to learn about the proper distinction between law and gospel based upon CFW Walther's theses. And uh, we have the expert uh, in, in class. I remember going through HUM 1 with you, Dr. Frickenscher, and doing those... Those uh, quizzes uh, every day, every day, and so uh, that was a that was a good exercise. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, Evan. Not everyone agrees with you, but I think it's useful. I, I was hoping to get uh, my hands on the bank of questions you have. Uh, ah, yes, <laughs> you, you might be able to sell those. Uh, they, they actually still, I think, have a market value. Do they really? I okay. believe they do. <laughs> That's good to know. Now, do you do you have uh, alternating questions that go through? Uh, yeah, I I can't uh, promise the same questions every time. It would be disappointing if. Uh, if uh, people could simply buy the answers and move on from there. We ha- have to keep them on their toes just a little bit. I understand. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, uh, we'll, we'll be discussing those in a little bit, and then we're ending up the program with uh, some Bible B. Uh, I decided to put you in the hot seat rather than the other way around. Fair uh, enough. I already had my TI I passed. So, you did. So we'll, yes, uh, indeed. we'll do it the other way around. Um, and then if we have any time at the end, we'll listen. We'll read some emails uh, at questions at tabletalkradio.org, trying to answer your theological questions here on Table Talk Radio. All right, let's start with theological buzzwords. Dr. Frickenscher, the theological buzzword I have for you is a Greek word. <laughs> Thank you very much, Evan. I appreciate it deeply. Yeah, that is a diatheke. Uh, this in the English is often translated a covenant or better testament when we're referring to the Lord's Supper. Um, the the difference there is, is when we see the, the our Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, uh, heading right into his passion and, and crucifixion, uh, he there is is at the at the at the supper with his disciples, and he's giving his really his last will and testament. And so we prefer the word uh, testament in in translating that word diatheke. Um, and so we fr- from it understand that this is uh, what our Lord wills for the church today, that we would continue to receive his his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So um, you'll get full credit if you use the Greek, a half credit if you use testament. If I say diatheke, I get better, better credit. Yes, okay. yes. But if okay. you use the word covenant, only partial. Okay. You know, or, and yeah. testament, I get uh, also full credit? Half credit and then half like credit. quarter credit for, credit for covenant. Credit for covenant. Very good. Okay, very good. Fair enough. <laughs> so diatheke. Diatheke. All right. You have one for me? I do. The buzzword for you, Evan, is reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation is a word I think is absolutely crucial and fundamental to the gospel because by Jesus' death on the cross, he's taken away the sin that separated us from God. And by reconciling us to God, he now reestablishes the relationship we had way back in the Garden of Eden, which means now all of God's blessings are given to us. Everything that God intends for us, everything that is truly good, we now have because our sin is no longer a barrier between us and God. 
Yeah, take us to Genesis 3.15 with that. You bet. Uh, Genesis 3.15, of course, people know very well to be the first expression of the gospel in the scriptures. And people know, I think, for the most part, quite well, that when the last part of the verse talks about the crushing and the bruising that is pointing to the cross. Uh, for perhaps people who don't recall, Genesis 3.15 is spoken by God to the serpent immediately after Adam and Eve have first sinned. And God says to the devil that he will put enmity between the devil, the serpent, and Eve and her descendants. Uh, and the result will be that uh, the devil will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but that the seed of the woman, the descendant of Eve, would crush the head of the serpent. And, of course, again, the last part of the verse is talking about how the devil would bruise Christ severely, in fact, when Jesus was killed on the cross. But Jesus' death on the cross crushed Satan and his power. What I think people don't remember as as, as vividly is the first part of the verse. And, again, that's where God says to the devil, I will put enmity between you and and the woman between your seed and her seed. And that, that sounds like all bad news. You know, it means that people and the devil are going to be duking it out. Well, the fact of the matter is uh, to be at enmity with the devil is exactly where we wish to be. And not only because we don't want to be with the devil, we want to have separation, enmity from the devil, but enmity or separation from the devil actually means being back together, reconciled to God. And that's really where we wish to be. We want our relationship with God, the relationship that Adam and Eve enjoyed before the fall in the Garden of Eden to be restored. That's what Jesus did when he was bruised on the cross and by the cross crushed Satan. So the cross has reestablished our relationship with God. In other words, it has reconciled us or given us reconciliation. All right, so... Reconciliation and Diatheke, and as the listeners know, there's up to 500 Table Talk radio points available, depending on how naturally we work those words into the conversation. So, uh, and, and the judge of all this, of course, Evan, would be you. Right. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, of you, you would be my judge. Uh, uh, oh, okay. So, so okay. it goes both all ways. Right. Fair enough. Fair but enough. It, but if you don't catch it, it's an automatic 500. Okay. So, all right. So, fair all right. enough. All right. Well, Diatheke. let's... <laughs> I'm hearing voices. Uh, so let's get into this game, Name That Walther Theses. Um, this is based on uh, a lecture series by C.F.W. Walther and collected in the book uh, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel, which was just redone and wonderfully uh, published here by Concordia Publishing House, um, uh, which is in a nice volume with commentaries and, and all the like, so uh, look for that. Um, but we are going to highlight four theses from this, from this proper distinction, and then we're going to discuss, uh, discuss these theses and then figure out which of these clips that I have as examples uh, apply to the to the theses. So the first one I have, Dr. Frakensher, is Theses 8, and it says, In the fourth place, the word of God is not rightly divided when the law is preached to those who are already in terror on account of their sins or the gospel to those who live securely in their sins. What's this one all about? Well, Walther says that the important thing in rightly dividing law and gospel is to sense whether it is a, a law moment or a gospel moment for the particular person that you are encountering. Uh, if a person is feeling very confident in his, uh, his wholeness, his relationship with God, his standing before God on the basis of his own merit— then he needs to realize that on his own he has no standing before God at all. We'd say it was a law moment for him. He would be someone, in Walther's words, who is living securely in his sins. On the other hand, if someone already realizes that he or she is guilty of sin, uh, deserves God's punishment, or also in other ways realizes helplessness or hopelessness, a, a desperation for God's help, we'd say it's a gospel moment. That is, this woman or this man needs now not to hear more about what he or she is supposed to do and has failed to do, more law, but instead needs to know what God has done for her or for him in Christ Jesus, that he or she has been, by the way, reconciled to God, but I get no points for that because that's my buzzword, <laughs> uh, that he or she has been reconciled to God uh, by Jesus' death on the cross. In other words, he or she needs to hear forgiveness, the assurance of the gospel. So that would be a person who is already terrified or living in terror on account of his or her sins. And to confuse the two 
is a very, very serious confusion of law and gospel. In fact, it's probably the most fundamental confusion of law and gospel, to give the wrong medicine for the particular ailment that someone is suffering at that moment. I found talking about law and gospel that... Um People who have never heard of this distinction before will essentially agree about what the law is and what the gospel is, but it isn't until we come down to the application uh, that we really see law-gospel at work. That's exactly right. Uh, I often say to my students uh, in a very early class period, well, here's what law is, here's what gospel is. In fact, I ask them to tell me what they already know about law and gospel and put it up on the blackboard. And and for the most part, uh, a, a class is able to pretty well define them before we even begin the discussion. And then I say, okay, well, then why did Walther give a year and a half of lectures to graduate students on this subject if we were able to put it up on the blackboard ourselves without coaching in five or ten minutes? And the answer is defining them is very easy. But knowing who needs what in a particular situation is exceedingly challenging. Walther even has a a kind of a a tongue-in-cheek line when he's discussing thesis number three, when he talks about how difficult this thing is, where he says, a pastor is able to do this, that is, he can determine whether to speak law now or gospel, when he is able to make a perfect assessment of every soul before him. And of course, we know how difficult it is to assess what's going on in anyone's soul. That underscores how difficult applying law and gospel is. That's right. All right, you're listening to Table Talk Radio with uh, guest uh, co-host Dr. Carl Frickenscher. I'm Evan Gigline, and we'll be right back to play Name That Walther Theses right after this. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. Hey, pastors, is that all too plain? Does a cassock and surplus leave you feeling like you're an Anglican priest? Affordable Chausables is here to spice up your liturgical garments and meet all of your Chausable needs. Affordable Chausables make men's Chausables and stoles custom to your specifications. For order in, ordering information, visit affordablechausables.webstarts.com. Affordablechausables.webstarts.com. And here's a bit of pastoral advice. If you get the Chasuble as a gift, then when people say, Hey, Pastor, how come you're dressed like the Pope? You can say, It was a gift. I want to turn the whole thing upside down. I'll find the things they say just can't be found. I'll share this love I find with everyone. We'll sing and dance to Mother Nature's song. I don't want this feeling to go away. The word of God is not rightly divided when the law is preached to those who are ready in terror on account of their sins, or the gospel to those who live securely in their sins. That is the eight theses of uh, the proper distinction between law and gospel by C.F.W. Walther, uh, which we just got done talking about. And now the, the next one we're going to highlight for this edition of, of Name That Walther Theses is Theses 9. And that says, in the fifth place... The word of God is not rightly divided when sinners who have been struck down and terrified by the law are directed not to word and sacraments, but to their own prayers and wrestlings with God in order that they may win their way into a state of grace. In other words, when they are told to keep on praying and struggling until they feel that God has received them into grace. This is maybe a common error in in today's uh, Christian talk today. It, it really is. Walther actually identifies this as the chief thesis in the entire sermon, in the entire series. And he, he spends six of the 39 total lectures on this one thesis, which is remarkable because there are a total of 25 theses. So you'd expect like one and a half theses per lecture. Uh, this one he spends six on because in his day, too, it was a very common error. Uh, in our day, I think it continues to be a, a, a common error by well-meaning people. Um, it, it, for example, um, certainly sounds uh, wholesome, helpful uh, to, 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 to speak to someone who is troubled and say, well, um, you just want to pray about that. Keep on praying about that. And that, uh, that sounds good. 
And, and someone really might mean that very sincerely. If someone comes to you and is very troubled and you tell them to pray more about it, you probably feel you've given pretty good advice because, for example, St. Paul says in First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. But what this thesis is saying is that times when people are, are terrified by the law, they, they, they've been struck down, terrified, and realize that they are sinful, if we send them back to anything that they themselves are supposed to do, even a great thing like prayer, it really is directing them away from the real source of comfort. Uh, for example, in the scenario I just laid out, someone comes and says, uh, I'm just so troubled by uh, something I've done. And you say, well, just keep praying that God will forgive you. Um, the person may say in, in, in his heart, maybe he won't even say it out loud to you and let you correct yourself. He may just say to himself, well, I've been praying about it for the last three days ever since I did it, and I feel no comfort, no peace at all. And therefore, if that's the counsel you give, you've missed the opportunity to direct this person instead to the assurance that Christ gives. Where does Christ give that assurance or that comfort? In the means of grace. And there we're talking about God's word and his sacraments. Um, when, for example, the pastor says to us on Sunday morning, you are forgiven. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Christ our Lord has said that that absolution, that word of forgiveness, is just as certain as if Jesus himself spoke it. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin, including the sin that is troubling me particularly today. And so if I come to you troubled for over my sin, rather than tell me to pray about it or or, or ask God to forgive me, or, or, or struggle and wrestle till I feel more forgiven, uh, if, if, if you were instead were to say, but, but Jesus died on the cross for you, your sin is forgiven. Now, Christ is the one comforting me, instead of me looking for comfort in, in something of myself. Likewise, in baptism, uh, we have the assurance that we were taken in God's arms and made his child. Our sins were forgiven when we didn't do anything. We did nothing for our baptisms at all. It was totally God at work, and that is a wonderful source of comfort. Or in the Lord's Supper, again, we do nothing there. We're simply on the receiving end of the very body and blood of Christ that was given on the cross. So now we're able to find comfort not in how, how hard we try to reconcile ourselves to God. And again, I get no, no uh, buzzword credit for reconciliation <laughs> either. Uh, but you could be working on that one, Evan. Yeah, I should. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but instead, uh, we have the assurance that God is doing the work of reconciling us. God is the one who has forgiven us, and it's God's own word that comes to us and says, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. So Walther identifies this as a huge thesis, and I think he's right because, as I said, um, people mean very well when they try to comfort by, well, telling us to, to pray about it, and maybe we'll feel better after we pray about it. Yeah, I noticed that in this thesis that he puts uh, feelings and word and sacrament on, on two opposite ends. And I think that is the common thing. And this is why Luther talks about uh, that the gospel comes extra notes, that it comes from outside of us. Uh, and, uh, I mean, th this comes up a lot when we talk about um, uh, confession and absolution. People object and say, well, I can ask uh, for God's forgiveness at home. And it's, it's true. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with praying and, and asking God for forgiveness in the privacy of your own home. Uh, the question is, how do you know that, that God answers that prayer? How do you know that you're forgiven? And he does that through the word and, and, and through the sacraments, as you said. Exactly. Uh, when we pray privately, God forgive me, we have an answer, but it's in the word again. It's in the scriptures where, where God says to us, Jesus did die for this sin. And so certainly we can pray privately for forgiveness, and in the word of scripture we're assured that we are forgiven. But how wonderful it is at the moment that we confess our sins to have someone else pastor or or even a friend speak to us and say yes your sin is forgiven because christ died for that sin and there we have that uh, wonderful assurance which we might overlook if, if if we're privately praying if we forget that scripture assures us of forgiveness it's 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 wonderful to to read that assurance in scripture how wonderful in addition to have it spoken to us, lest maybe we forget what Scripture says about our forgiveness and desperately need that reminder from someone else. 
I remember when uh, I was after the first year in the summer after my first year of seminary uh, doing a summer vicarage in Colorado. Uh, we were going through these theses uh, in Pless's little volume. Uh, uh, handling the word handling truth. the word of truth mm-hmm. yes uh, by John Pless and uh, I, we, were, we were reading the thesis and I said okay thesis number ten in the sixth place and one of the dear ladies there said do you need help with your Roman numerals <laughs> 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 and uh, we should point out that thesis ten starts out with in the sixth place because the first four theses uh, speak of the distinction in a positive light and then the rest of them. Uh, re- refer to it the the abuse or the right. the invalid uh, one through four basically give definitions of what law and gospel are and then beginning with number five he says in the first place and number six he says in the second place and number seven he says in the third place right. y- your arithmetic is good Evan it's it's, it's, it's flawless <laughs> X, uh, the best I can tell X ten okay got it yeah. well, let's move on to, then to thesis number ten in the sixth place the word of God is not rightly divided when the preacher describes faith in a manner as if the mere in in earth uh, acceptance of truths, even while a person is living in mortal sins, renders that person righteous in the sight of God and saves him, or as if faith makes a person righteous and saves him for the reason that it produces in him love and reformation of his mode of living. Uh, what, what's being spoken of here? Well, a couple of things, and, and to me the, the more striking really is the, the first part, where Walther says it's a, it's a mistake, a confusion of law and gospel, if we give the impression that faith can also exist while a person is living impenitently in sin. He says, uh, describing faith in a manner as if it were the mere inert acceptance of truths. In, in other words, um, say, well, well, sure, I know that Jesus died on the cross in 29 AD. And, and by the way, that's another one of those where the arithmetic might be a little <laughs> suspect because uh, we'd like to think Jesus was born in zero and died in 33, but... Well, there was no zero, and it was probably 4 or 5 B.C. Anyway, <laughs> that's an aside. There's, there's no so real... Christ was born about 4 before Christ. That's right. There, there's, there's no uh, lasting DFAK on, on that one. That's We're more flexible on that. And I caught that. So you did? Okay. We're gonna, I'll give you 300 points Okay, for that. that's not too bad. Not too bad. It, it was a little bit forced, but it was in there. <laughs> and it was in the Greek. So, uh, But uh, uh, I know that Jesus died on the cross at that date in history and rose from the grave. And, oh, yeah, sure, and that was for me. Um, but um, I, I kind of really feel as if that that sixth commandment thing. Uh, and of course, we could we could debate with people about the numbering of the commandments as well, you know. Uh, but we won't go into that one. We've <laughs> we've had enough arithmetic lessons for today. Uh, that sixth commandment thing about not committing adultery. You know, the the fact is, it, people used to say that you shouldn't uh, sleep together before you were married. But but really, I mean, let's get real. In this day and age, who buys that anymore? So um, yeah, sure, my girlfriend and I have lived have moved in together and 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 we're sleeping together and and we'll probably probably get married someday. Well, you see, on the one hand, you have an inert acceptance of truth. Jesus' death, his resurrection, even intellectually, yeah, that was for my forgiveness. But on the other hand, I'm continuing to live, in Walther's words here, in mortal sin. Mortal sin is not a sin that's especially big. It could be what we'd think of as big, or it could be small. The thing that makes something a mortal sin is whether we refuse to repent. And in the example I gave, a guy who lives with his girlfriend, sleeps with his girlfriend, continues to do so, plans to do so, is not sorry for it, that would be impenitent. That would indicate, according to this thesis, that he doesn't really have faith, even though he knows those truths inertly. We'll talk about this more. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? There is no way to capture the wonderful gifts that the Lord gives in baptism, but I've worked on a baptismal certificate that tries, that tries to capture the scriptures and the Lord's teaching of grace and mercy and forgiveness in baptism. Baptismal certificates that you can hang on the wall and treasure for a lifetime. If you go to wolfsoncreative.com, you can find these certificates, order them for your church or for your family as well. That's W-O-L-F-S-O-N-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio here with guest co-host Dr. Carl Frickensher. Uh, we're in the middle of talking about the 10th Thesis. In this thesis, is it also address uh, uh, actually sola fide, that, that it's not uh, the violation here, be that a teaching that it's not faith alone that saves, but a, a faith that an acts good and moral living which saves. Is that also addressed here? That's right. Uh, in the first scenario that I gave a moment ago, right before the break, we, we would say this, that the person who uh, remains impenitent in sin doesn't actually have faith. And the reason we would say that is because when a person is a believer in Christ, doesn't just know the facts inertly, knows some history, but, but really does believe and clings to Christ uh, for his salvation, it means that the Holy Spirit is present in him, and the Holy Spirit does actually create uh, a new uh, a new mode of living. That is, a person a person does actually do good works when he is a believer in Christ. Um, now, they may not be as visible as we'd like. They may not be any particular ones we can prescribe. But there is a new man or a new woman living inside who does good works. But on the other hand, it's equally wrong to say, ah, yes, yes, of course, because a person believes in Christ, that is, the Holy Spirit is living in him, the Holy Spirit now enables him to do good works, or in Walther's words here, the Holy Spirit has reformed his mode of living, ah, that's the reason now that he's justified by faith. He's justified by faith because he does the good works. Now, that also would be a confusion of law and gospel. Faith does not justify us because it causes us to do better things. The Holy Spirit lives in us, creates that faith, but that faith is simply the receiving of what Christ has already done, which justifies us. By Jesus' death on the cross, all sins were forgiven, and when the Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts, we receive that, and we ourselves then subjectively are also justified. The result afterward, yes, is that we do, as I said, good works, um, not as perfectly as we'd like, but those are the fruits of the salvation we have already received. We are not justified because we do those good works. All right, and then let's go to Theses number 21. It says, In the 17th place, the word of God is not rightly divided when men are taught that the sacraments produce salutary effects ex opere operato, that is, by the mere outward performance of a sacramental act. Yeah, this is talking about the error that says something like this, um, just going through the motions of taking communion, or just going through the motion of being baptized, in and of itself, is what gives a person salvation. Um, it is absolutely true that baptism does save us. The Lord's Supper does save us. But we receive that blessing of salvation by believing it. Now, the wonderful thing about baptism, for example, is that it actually creates the, that saving faith in an infant. When a baby is baptized, uh, we, we, uh, we don't know uh, for sure. We can't look into the heart of the child before the moment of baptism, but we could certainly assume that perhaps the child is as yet an unbeliever. But when that child is baptized, that child becomes a believer. The Holy Spirit creates faith. St. Paul uh, calls baptism in Titus 3, verse 5, the washing of regeneration. In other words, that washing in baptism generates a new person, creates faith. And it is the generation of faith that enables that infant to receive the forgiveness of sins that absolutely was given in baptism. Uh, in Holy Communion, uh, if one were to go to the altar not believing that Christ really was there present, not believing that Christ was really forgiving sins in Holy Communion, yes, that person really would have received the body and blood of Christ, and yes, the person really would have been given the forgiveness of sins. But tragically, the person would have walked away from the altar uh, not receiving that forgiveness, and, and as a result, could be lost eternally to hell. 
to say that the sacraments work apart from that, ex opera operato, would be to say that one who goes unbelieving, perhaps even in the impenitent sin that we talked about back on, on thesis, uh, thesis 10, uh, and, and therefore has the, uh, the forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation, would be the confusion Walther is talking about. Uh, a really extreme kind of example of this uh, was in the, the medieval church when, when people believed that simply being within earshot of the priest speaking the words of institution, the, the words that, uh, that uh, uh, the scriptures record of Christ giving uh, his body and blood at the Last Supper the first time, uh, would be sufficient for them to be forgiven of sins and return, receive eternal salvation. Um, the, the Latin version of the words of institution sounded a little bit like what we now say in English, hocus pocus. And that's the origin <laughs> ah, of, of okay. our expression. It's just a lot of hocus pocus, just hearing the words, not believing anything that's going on, but hey, that's good enough, and I'll go home now and say, sure, I got heaven. All right. Well, uh, we have theses 8, 9, 10, and 21 on the table. And here's the first clip. It's by far the longest of, of the uh, four clips that I have. Um, this could uh, hit one or maybe even multiple of the ones that we've, we've highlighted. Uh, this is a clip from the hit TV show ER. Um, the, the male voice you will hear in this clip is a, uh, a man who is a, a former executioner, is, is lying uh, in the hospital bed with terminal cancer. The female voice you hear is the hospital chaplain. Uh, and so here's, here's the clip. Six-year-old kid on the table, convicted of killing a cop. See his family, pleading, praying. I injected the drugs, and he didn't die. He lay there, awake, quivering, lethal doses of three different agents, and he was still alive. Parents were crying, claiming a miracle. What happened? The IV infiltrated. The drugs pooled in his soft tissues instead of going into his bloodstream. So I placed another IV, drew up another round of meds, and pushed. And this time, it took him 90 seconds to die. Seven months later, a police officer came forward. The boy was framed for the murder. Huh? He didn't do it. You couldn't have known that. God tried to stop me from killing an innocent man, and I ignored the sign. How can I even hope for forgiveness? I think sometimes it's easier to feel guilty than forgiven. Which means what? That maybe your guilt over these deaths has become your reason for living. And maybe you need a new reason to go on. I, I, I don't want to go on. Can't you see? I'm old. I have cancer. I've had enough. The only thing that is holding me back is that I am afraid. I'm afraid of what comes next. And what do you think that is? Oh, you tell me. Is atonement even possible? What does God want from me? I think it's up to each one of us to interpret what God wants. So people can do anything? They can rape, they can murder, they can steal all in the name of God and it's okay? No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, God is love, one-size-fits-all crap. Hey, Dr. Truman. No, I don't have time for this now. Greg, it's okay. I understand. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. How could you possibly say that? Now, you listen to me. I want a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell. I hear that you're frustrated, but you need to ask yourself. No, I don't need to ask myself. I need answers. And all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. I know you're upset. God, I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness because I am running out of time. 
All right, Dr. Frickensher, uh, in this clip we have a man who is in need of forgiveness and reconciliation with God, and the chaplain responds... 500 points. Oh, really? Oh, you almost got it by me there. Uh, I, I blurted out the 500. Yeah, that was good. I, I'll go with, I'll give you the full credit. Wow, okay, yeah, yeah, 500 you. points. Hey, all right, not yeah, too bad. Yeah. Uh, but the chaplain responds is, um, uh, it's easier to feel guilty than forgiven. What's your response? With about a minute here. Yeah, that was remarkable. That was that was very striking. Actually, I saw elements of, of 8, 9, and 10 all there. Uh, 10, very briefly, and that is when he said, oh, you mean you can do whatever you want and go on, doesn't matter, you can kill and so on and so forth. And that's where Walther says that it's a confusion of law and gospel to say that one can remain in mortal sin. Certainly also the thesis number 8 here was a man who was in desperate need of the assurance of the gospel, and as he said, she was just given some, oh, God is love, blah, 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 which could be interpreted as uh, as giving um, gospel when it needed to be law, when in fact he needed real gospel, but he also recognized that, he said, someone who believed in a real hell. In other words, am I really being saved from something? And then certainly thesis number nine as well. Uh, because there, she said, for example, I think it's up to everyone to interpret for himself. What you have to think about. And so she sent him back to himself looking for comfort. And he was perceptive when he said, hey, that ain't good enough. Uh, don't send me back to me. I've been struggling about this forever. I need a real person to come in who believes in a real God who will give me a real assurance of forgiveness. Yeah, it needed to be directed to the uh, word and sacrament, those things outside of us. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, we got the first entry out of the way. You get 200 points for identifying law and gospel. So now we are tied. Dynamite. 500 to 500. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back to play some more. I never felt the desire to let music set me on fire. Then I was saved, yeah. That's why I'm keeping the faith. Yeah, 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 keeping the faith. Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. We have on the queue uh, for today's program to play Bible Beat in this program. We're already in the fourth segment of the show, so it looks like we might be doing some Table Talk extra innings. Uh, and that's available for the podcast listeners, so if you're listening to this program on the radio, go to tabletalkradio.org and listen to show 142. And uh, after the closing theme, you'll hear the rest of this program. Uh, but for now, we're in the middle of playing uh, Name That Walther Theses, Dr. Frickensher, and you're up to 500 points. Dynamite. And uh, it's time for the next clip, if you're All ready. right. Catholic Mass, the notion of sacrifice, is what separates Mass from all other services, Protestant, uh, uh, anything. The Catholic Mass is, at its heart, a sacrifice, and that is what separates it from every other form of worship. Why does Jesus? Why does the Catholic Church proclaim Jesus as the Lamb of God? One simple reason, because it fits the pattern that God set at the beginning with his chosen people, that you will sacrifice, you will make sacrifice to me. Not that the blood of a goat or the blood of a bull would be sufficient to atone for the sins, that's not the reason it was done. It was done to prepare the people to set the to sort of set the stage for the ultimate sacrifice. Christ makes up for our sins by his sacrifice. We participate in that sacrifice and get the atonement for it and the forgiveness for it through our participation in Mass and receiving him in the Holy Eucharist. All right, this might be a stress. You have to think really hard. Use your critical thinking skills, but uh... I, I, I'm going to guess 21 on that one. I think that's uh, talking about the sacraments produced in salutary effects ex opera operato. Um, we speak of the, the sacraments not as something we are once again doing, sacrificing Christ again, which is, is the Roman Catholic theology. Uh, the Christ, sacrifice of Christ was once and for all on the cross. Now the sacraments are simply us receiving what God does for us. We don't contribute to it, participate in it by going through the action, the outward activity of the Mass which would be ex opera operato. 
All right, you nailed that one. So another 200 points right. brings up to uh, 700 points. Actually, All right. Sure. Can't wait to hear what those points are worth at the end. You betcha. <laughs> All right, here's the next quote then uh, for Name That Walter Theses. This comes from Brandon. He says, I need help. Only last night I've learned what true Christianity is, which is living by faith or seeking and living for God in everything and not living in habitual sin. I too was told that the sinner's prayer is your way to heaven, but I was really wrong. Right now I live in habitual sin and I need to know how to repent. I want to know how to let go of myself. I can tell you that I honestly believe in God and in His Son, and I do hate sin. But it's overpowering and I need Christ in my life. How can I be saved? How do I get to the point where I completely let go? And I did. I'm, I want to bring this one up because I don't doubt that there are some of you here that are wondering exactly this: How do I repent? You know what's amazing is that when Jesus Christ came, He didn't explain it. He said, "Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." Repentance. Let me tell you something. In Luke chapter thirteen, verses one through five. Christ says this, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Can I tell you something? Every one of you in this room, that applies to. If you do not repent, you will perish. Okay, here's the thing. Repentance is something you must do. You know, when John the Baptist came on and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he said, bring forth fruit. Bring forth works that are in accordance with repentance, that are suitable to repentance, that are meat for repentance. All right, that's the clip. Uh, do, you, do we have a violation of law and gospel here? Uh, we do. Uh, and, and yet, it, there is a basis also in Thesis 10, which is right, when we talk about how a person cannot remain in uh, mortal sin. There's a, ne- a necessity of repentance, no question. Uh, so there's a, a Thesis 10 element there. But the thing that's so troubling is when he brings us back again and again and again to something we must do, and that's a Thesis 9 issue altogether. Um, I, I, I didn't hear the assurance, the comfort, that by Christ's death on the cross, we can be certain of salvation. I didn't hear the word, uh, which is the, the place of the comfort. I, I heard it uh, back on me again and again, and I can only picture someone in that audience saying, well, I, I want to repent. In fact, the question I think that, that provoked the discussion was, well, how do I do this? How do I repent? How do I receive this? And in, instead of saying, Christ has done it all for you, instead of assuring by the word and the sacrament, baptism, for example, that we have the forgiveness of our sins, uh, the onus was back on, look at yourself, friend, check yourself. Are you really penitent? Are you, are you really sorry? Have you done the things that you should be doing uh, to show that, uh, that you've turned away from that sin? How would you respond to that emailer? or the, the letter that he was reading, the, the person who said, uh, I believe in Christ uh, and I, I hate these sins that I do. I would say Christ has died for those sins. Those sins were, were, were nailed to the cross and buried with Christ Jesus. And you come forth as a new man. The, the, uh, everything that you have done are the very things for which Jesus went to the cross. And see, the wonderful thing is that assurance of gospel, what Jesus has done is the very thing that causes a guy to say, I mean, really? Is, is it that easy? Yes, Christ has done it all. Really? Really? Yes, Christ has done it all to the point where the Holy Spirit causes him to go, oh, wow, wow, I'm forgiven. Which is not, saying nothing more than saying back to God what God already has said. You are forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross. That is the very word that Walther is speaking of when he says, direct him to the word and the sacraments, not to whether they feel forgiven or whether they think they've done enough to, to receive that gift. Boy, and the flesh squirms at that message, doesn't it? The flesh is going, no, 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 there's something I have to I do. i got to do something. i got it. That's the way everything else works, but it's not the way this works. Right. All right, we have one more quote. Uh, or clip for you. Hey, what about my points? Oh, whoa. Oh! You're, you're, <laughs> you're just like Pastor Roll. You're going to be a great, great replacement for okay. Pastor Roll. Another 200 points, another up Baby. to 900. All right. Baby. <laughs> Here's our last quote for it. Name that Walter Theses. 
Hmm, I'm often asked what's my favorite movie. It all depends on the day. <laughs> I like the big epics. I like Gandhi. I like Malcolm X. I like Patton. I like Spartacus. I like The Lord of the Rings. But I also love some of the smaller movies like What About Bob? And my favorite movie probably is Groundhog Day because I love the idea of getting another chance. Getting another chance. That's what God does to us. He gives us a mulligan and he says, okay, you get a do-over. And every new day, life comes to us at 24-hour segments and we get a chance to start over. All right. Are you a golfer? I am a bad one, and I need lots of mulligans. I like to play by myself or with Claire because I grant myself and she grants me all the mulligans I need. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> a little. Uh, well, what, what do you think of the analogy? Does the analogy apply? Uh, well, yes, I, I, it certainly does, and it, it certainly is one of those problems that is again uh, quite insufficient when we try to think of good theology. Uh, and, and actually, the golf analogy works because I am a bad golfer, and it really doesn't matter how many mulligans Claire gives me; I'm still going to shoot 120. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, I, I will not shoot par golf. And 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 uh, and certainly not shoot subpar golf, uh, no matter how many shots I get. That's the way it is. Also with us as sinful people. Um, perhaps uh, one application from the theses that we're looking at here would be in terms of thesis number ten, where Walther says it's a confusion to speak of law and gospel, uh, to speak of faith, I should say, uh, as if it makes a person righteous and saves him for the reason that it produces in him love and reformation of his mode of living. In other words, if we think of faith as basically um, something that uh, enables us now to do the things that will be better, a reformation of living, a better shot the second time after the, after the first shot goes in the water, um, this is really not what faith is at all. Again, faith is receiving what Christ has already done for us so that we already stand justified. And then, yes, we, we do go forward eagerly to try again and again and again and again to, to, to do the things God wishes us to do, but never because that's earning our salvation. And if it were, we would still fail even with all the mulligans in the world. That's right. Well, I mean, this is just uh, a, a great... Uh, reminder when we read these theses that uh, that this distinction between law and gospel um, is essential for the articulation of justification, the, the doctrine in which the church stands or falls. If we don't get law and gospel properly distinguished um, and 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 properly applied as we as we learn these theses, then then people aren't hearing about the true forgiveness which Christ has for us, and that's the message we've been we've been given to uh, to to say. To the church, to, to, to all sinners. To save the world. So, yep. uh, Dr. Frickentia, thank you for, for filling in what a pleasure. Uh, to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh, and, and we'll stay tuned for uh, on the podcast edition. We'll, we'll play uh, Bible Bee right after this. But, um, you know, if, if you're not doing anything for every other week after this, uh, we can kick right into the curb and... and, and <laughs> I, I don't. I'm, uh, I, I think uh, Wolf Mueller's pretty good. I I, I like his shows. <laughs> All right. Well, again, as I said, if you're listening to this broadcast on the uh, on the radio, go to tabletalkradio.org and listen to show 142 to listen to the rest of the broadcast when we play Bible Bee with Dr. Frickincher. Again, Dr. Frickincher is the associate professor of pastoral ministry and missions at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thanks again, and thank you all for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like, oops, ugh, aha, wee, and You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. (laughs) The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. All right, thank you for staying with the extra innings of Table Talk Radio. And Dr. Frickincher, I apologize. I did not award you uh, 200 points. I, I noticed that, one. Evan. 
And uh, so all the people in Radioland who didn't come over to the podcast uh, are just assuming that, that you are stuck at 900 points for the show. Well, that may not be altogether bad because, you see, now the game where you get to humiliate me, uh, most people <laughs> won't hear either. So they'll think I'm still cruising. <laughs> well, all the better then. Uh, but you're now at uh, 1,100 points. Uh, and only Dynamite. you got from here. Outstanding. Uh, so normally what we do um, when we start out uh, Bible B is we talk about Law Gospel, which we've been doing the entire show. Um, but this is kind of a fun exercise because it happens all the time that you uh, – I remember during symposia, symposia this week – I don't know if I should admit this on the air, but um, I went to Wendy's for lunch, and there were three or four – I don't think you should admit that at all. <laughs> well, three or four gentlemen in their collars, obviously coming from Symposia, uh, were also there. And, and a gentleman standing in line at Wendy's asked, uh, you know, who are you guys? He said, we're, we're Lutheran pastors. And he said, well, what's a Lutheran? And uh, I wasn't wasn't – Overly won over by the gentleman's response, he said, eh, it's kind of like Catholic, which, uh, Oops! <laughs> I wasn't so fond of. I, I think that the answer there, uh, a nice, quick um, response to that question is law gospel. It works. And, uh, so you have one minute, you're in line at Wendy's, one or two minutes. What is law gospel? Well, we believe that the God's word shows us that we are in desperate need of salvation, that we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God, and left to our own, uh, we would have no chance of eternal salvation. That's absolutely fundamental, and that is law. But we also believe, as Lutherans, that the Bible proclaims Christ's death and resurrection has done all the work, 100% of the work of earning salvation for us, so that in Christ Jesus we do have forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. That's gospel. And the fact of the matter is, every Christian, everyone who truly is a believer in Christ, believes these simple things, uh, really does believe law and gospel, and that is the essence of, of, of faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so in this game, uh, uh, law, or excuse me, uh, Bible B. Uh, the, the task is to identify which book of the Bible uh, it, it comes from, and then we identify whether this is law and or gospel. Uh, and so that's the task before you. Are you ready for your first round? I'm ready. Uh, the first round has uh, two verses in it, and it's worth uh, 100 points. Okay. And uh, this Building is on my total so far of 1,100, <laughs> I think, Evan. Is that correct? That is correct. Correct. Very good. Well done. Just want to keep score here. <laughs> okay. Here are your verses. These are the men who are hidden reefs. In your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly deed uprooted, uh, wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Okay, um, it's uh, I've got three choices. And, and you see, if I don't know, then I talk for a while, and I, I, I may even think of something smart, or at least I'll show that I wasn't, you know, thinking that this was like Leviticus or That's something. That's exactly what yeah. Brian does, too, okay, so don't good, worry. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, my, my three choices would be Second Peter, Jude, or James. And I, on the darkness thing, that, that gets it more likely to be Second Peter or Jude. I'm going to go, Jude is so short, you know, you're, you're shooting at, at a very small target when you go with Jude. Um, so I'll go with Second Peter. You're going to go with Second Peter, and I'm sorry it was Jude. Jude! <laughs> but again, see, at least I showed the world I wasn't thinking, you know, Psalms. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was close. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So you don't get. But I shouldn't have gone with the odds. See, I had a couple chapters in Second Peter to work with, and only one in Jude. So I, I played the odds. I should have played my 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 real uh, inclination. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Pastor Wolfner is. He's worked out the psychology of how I yeah. work. He's like, okay, Evan would pick the shorter one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Harder, See, so. that that shows why he's the host, man. He he's he's the experienced one. He knows how to do this. Yeah, we totally play off of each other. Sometimes okay. I'll do double reverse psychology on him, and gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you. Can at least answer this uh, by, by the way, Evan, do, do, your, do your hearers know that um, most um, scholars see a close relationship of Second Peter to Jude and say they were uh, familiar with each other? If that helps you, yeah. Okay, that, it that, does. Yeah. And it, actually, it's true, too. <laughs> okay, well, you can talk about this in terms of law and gospel. I can read it again. Uh, These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, double, uh, doubly dead, uprooted, uh, wild, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars, 
for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Well, there's not a lot of gospel in that. Uh, we, we could look back and, and know that the feast refers to their coming together and say there's gospel implicit there. But obviously the point there is, is talking about those who are hypocrites in, in worship, hypocrites coming to the sacrament, those who are not really believers even though they are masquerading as such. And it's a serious, serious warning of condemnation, especially the darkness that is reserved for them. That's speaking of nothing other than eternal damnation in hell. So that is a, a very, very... Very uh, uh, sobering warning of law. All right. On to the next round then. For this round, you have one verse at your disposal and 200 points available. Uh, And this is it. Uh, It says, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. That's all I get, eh? Yeah. Okay. Give me see, your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. Okay. See, now this time I'm not. I, I'm going to show that I'm not uh, thinking that it's Jude or or Second <laughs> Peter. Th- this time, my my two choices. The first choice, and I'll, I'll, I won't lock in my answer yet. But but my son is a is a recurring um, usage in Proverbs, and that certainly is an appealing possibility. Otherwise, I would think of another another poetic section. You know, the Psalms have some varied content of, of similar nature. But I, I'm going to go ahead and lock in as my final answer, Proverbs. Proverbs it is. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well done. Okay, so that's 200 points. Again, if I was wrong, at least I wasn't thinking of Matthew <laughs> or Luke or something, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, is there any way you can come up, uh, talk about this in terms of law gospel? Give me your heart to my son and delight your eye, uh, and let your eyes delight in my ways. Okay, um, th- that's a bit of a challenging one because it does have the, the imperative to give me uh, speaking as a command. But I think really what's, what's behind that is the delight that we have uh, as God's people. I think what, what really is more prominent there really uh, is, is the blessing that, uh, um, that, that uh, sons and daughters of God have in, in Christ. Uh, really, it is a predominant gospel passage. All right. Very good. All right. You have one more round then here of uh, Bible B, and this is pretty challenging. Okay. Um, you have one. But now I don't feel too bad because if I really <laughs> screw this one up, then at least, you know, I, I've been on the, on the map of the first two. That's true. Okay. Well, uh, there... I mean, if I really mess this up, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> well, you have one word in this round. That, that's the thing. Oh. One word. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. The, the pain should. This is like getting a shot. You know, it, it can't hurt too long, too badly. That's right. Just get it over with. Just do it. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you. Then I, I happen to know that you happen to also be a uh, New American Standard Bible. I, I am indeed. Okay. So, and this, I I went to the NASB for this. Okay. Okay. And this one word appears in the Bible only one time. Wow. And that I'm word impressed. is flag. F-L-A-G, flag. Mm, I, I heard the word there, Evan. Uh, okay. Yeah, Boy, you kind of a blank look. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's right. I'm, I'm not uh, not clicking here, but I but I'm I'm looking out the window, hoping for inspiration uh, on this one. <laughs> Flag, uh, and and you know I, I'm I'm not certain just based on the historical setting of every book of the Bible that that is used as a noun. There, I, I'm not positive it might not be as a verb to flag something to identify something. Um, in obviously in our usage today, that's uh, one time out of 50 at best. But I think it might be that really odd usage. Um, okay, I'll just throw out now. Now I'm really playing the odds. Um, the the psalms are really long. I'll go with <laughs> psalms. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not <laughs> this is actually uh, appears in Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30. I was the right testament. Theatheke. <laughs> Very good. Unfortunately, you don't have multiple entries with buzzword. I'm okay. Sorry. But I think uh, you only gave me 300 before. Couldn't I get 300 plus 200 more? Oh, no, now you're really playing the game. I'm sorry. I'm okay. The answer is no. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm still stuck back at 500. Okay. So gonna... Well, I can't help where you're stuck, Evan. <laughs> and, uh, what, what, what passage is Because I do have my NASB here. Sure. Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 17. All right. One, uh, one thousand will flee at the threat of one man. You will flee at the threat of five until you are left as a flag on a mountaintop as, and as a signal on a hill. 
Hey, I like that. You know what I really like about that, Evan? And this, let's see, I'm going to build my case. Um, it, uh, the NASB uses the word flag, as you've said. It does use it as a noun. That's good. Uh-huh. But the, the note says literally pole until you were left as a pole on a mountain. See, I, I like to go with a literal uh, rendering of the Hebrew there, uh, Evan. So uh, that means it would appear zero so times in You scripture. had considered this verse with that. Nah, he carefully. would that. I carefully He'd evaluated that. Exactly. And, and reached that conclusion. That's exactly correct. You are right, sir. <laughs> uh, give yourself 200 points for being oh, right about that. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm up to 700 now. Dynamite. Uh, okay. Let's talk about this in, in context of law gospel. I'll put it, I'll put it in context, um, starting with verse 15. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you are not willing. And you said, No, for we will flee on horses. Therefore you shall therefore you shall flee. We shall ride on swift horses. Therefore those who pursue you shall be swift. And then this is verse seventeen. Mm-hmm. One thousand will flee at the threat of one man, you will flee at the threat of five, until you are left up as a pole or flag or flag <laughs> on a mountaintop and as a signal on a hill. Very good. Uh, that's a great example there, Evan, because that shows how crucial the context is. The question really is, who is being addressed? Who is fleeing? And as the context makes clear, it is God's people who are fleeing because of their sinfulness. God is, is bringing them to an awareness of their sin by causing them to be punished. Um, on the other hand, uh, therefore, it's a law passage. On the other hand, sometimes God speaks of Israel's enemies fleeing, and then, of course, is gospel because it's talking about how God delivers his people from whatever threat uh, they might be facing. So the context is crucial, but when he says, you shall, that is, God's people shall flee, uh, that, that's indicating that they themselves are experiencing that kind of, uh, kind of punishment. All right. Well, this, is, uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, thank you for, for coming on the program, and uh, thank you all for, for listening into the extra innings of, of Table Talk Radio. Um, now, the listeners can tune in next week to see if uh, Brian still has a job on Table Talk Radio. I, I think he'll be back, <laughs> and, and I think he'll be energized from the vacation <laughs> no and, and uh, the opportunity to contemplate his future. Now, the funny thing is, I didn't tell him that I was finding a replacement. He's under, under the assumption that we're skipping a week. Mm, and so, wouldn't want to do that. So, uh, no, he's going to come back, and, and I don't know if he li- you know has this loaded on his, his iPod or whatever, but he'll find out that... That we went on without him, so... <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are all replaceable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thanks again, Dr. Pinter. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Evan. I'm delighted. And thanks for listening uh, to Table Talk Radio, and, and uh, email us or call us, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or call us 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>